what do they call it? They call it Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What's going on, guys? Royale with cheese here with your host, Caleb. And Seth. And uh, today we are bringing to you a special episode. I say that every time, but uh, this is true. A special episode with uh, Knives Out. And then uh, also we uh, saw The Irishman. And uh, we're also going to give you our top five Scorsese there. So Yeah, should gonna be, be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting episode. Uh, to open up with uh, the top of the box office is uh, Frozen 2, which made $85.3 million, which actually I think is, I know it's the second weekend, but I think it's actually a disappointment. I don't. I think this movie, they're trying to hope for another billion-dollar movie. And I've just heard it's not as good as Frozen 1, but I will never watch it, so I'll never be able to tell you that. So. Well, Kale, beggars can't be choosing, considering a Marvel's had, like, what, the top or six out of the ten most grossing movies yeah. in the weekend oh, I, box office I definitely movies. still think, for, I don't know if Frozen 2, you think it'll hit a billion? I don't think so. I think it'll come close, though. I, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think, think you're there's right. there's enough kids. Like, it, it tends to one audience. I think Frozen, though, has a pretty, like, uh, universal, like, worldwide. Like, yeah, but I think it does pretty good, like, overseas and stuff. So. It still tends to one audience. And I feel like that's the difference where, like, any superhero movie tends to all Incredibles audiences. Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2. So we both know Incredibles is different than I'm just than saying, Frozen. that was kind of an upset, but... Yeah, so you got Frozen 2 at number one, and actually, surprisingly, at number two, you got Knives Out with $27 million, which, which is, we will be talking about. Yeah, we'll be talking about today, and uh, for the top three that rounding out is uh, Ford v. Ferrari, which made $13.2 million, which I'm, I'm happy to see. It's a good movie, yeah, so a movie like is. we said last time. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think I just had something that I've been mulling over these last few days is um, ever since the last podcast, we really did uh, two TV shows. We did Mandalorian and uh, the star of Rick and Morty, and it just got me thinking, yeah. and um that TV shows, I think, hold more of a relevance in our everyday lives than movies. And, I mean, besides, like, us doing a movie podcast and we envelop our lives with movies, I don't think the common man life changed going to see a movie. Like, I don't think the Irishman has, like, anyone who's, like, super going to go back to the office and talk about it, even though it's super accessible. I think they might, but I think it'll die out quicker I just, when was the last movie, and you can't see Marvel, because I think Marvel's cheating, because I think Marvel's basically, like, episodic. It's like a TV show. Every three months, they release a new episode. Yeah, um, what I would say is, I feel like TV shows have more of a draw they can do, where a movie only has one chance to blow you away. A TV show has ten chances. I just, and it, yeah. the build-up. Every episode's a build-up. Movie only has one build-up. But, I don't know, I think... I mean, movies still make more. I a good movie. I, I it's not one. I'm not saying makes more because it's kind of unfair. Because if you're watching something on TV or on Netflix, it's not necessarily like making money. But what I'm trying to say is, okay, so when was, for example, Stranger Things and Mandalorian? These are two shows that like have been big on the streaming services yeah. and. They Game draw a conversation at Game of Thrones. Everyone goes and goes to work or whatever the next day and wants to talk about the previous episode. And that's elongated. It's not just the next day. But when was the last time I'm saying like a movie? I th- feel like movies are more personal. I don't think they have that. They don't envelop like the American workforce around them to talk about it, you know. And that's why I think cinema is kind of dead. I mean, I mean, I know I everyone's like, been saying this for years. So I, I don't think I'm like a revolutionary thinking here. I feel but. like there's more movies out there than what I'm thinking. I mean, the really only one I can really think of hardcore is The Dark Knights. Okay, that was. 11 years ago. And Avengers. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Endgame. 
Endgame had yeah. probably a bigger buildup than any. But that's what I'm saying. But TV I, show I, th- I think Marvel's ever. cheating because. Well, that's I why I was said. trying to stay away, and yeah, that's why I said because I, I don't think Marvel Marvel counts because, like I just said, it's like a TV show that they release a new episode every three months. But granted, I think a big part of that comes down to I think I really do think midnight showings. I, I had a big culture turn on like the movies because I feel like that was almost like a build up for movies. But I think this has been a problem like longer than 20 plus years. I think I think these TV shows have all especially now with the content they're putting out there. I mean, they're putting out TV shows that are, are just as good quality as movies. And I just think I don't know. I just think people like TV shows better. Well, TV shows are nice too cuz you I mean, like we always preach on a good movie is an hour and 40 minutes. Well, I I think you're right. If you have a TV show that's 40 minutes to 30 minutes, I mean, you can sit through one TV show, go do something and maybe watch another episode later. No everyone no one likes pausing a movie. That sucks. Yeah. I, I just I just think it's kind of funny. I, that's all I'm trying to say. I think it's kind of like I know the death of cinema. I know everyone talks about it, but I truly feel like it's dead because I, I i don't like i said star wars maybe is the last time you had a big prolonged discussion over a movie in my common knowledge i mean and that's because it was bad but oh uh, yeah i guess all the star wars but then again that's i mean star wars is the last thing i mean that's the last cultural movie i feel like besides marvel which i said marvel's cheating though too but i bet i could find one if you give me a minute yeah but think about oh, it doesn't matter because what i'm saying is even if you can find one the discussion around TV shows, I think, is better. And that's why I think The Mandalorian is so genius for doing what they're doing, not, like, dropping all the episodes at once. The Joker, the Murder pre- Mystery. They, I mean, not the Murder Mystery. No one was really talking about that because it was trash. Okay, I'll give you but Joker. The Joker. Joker. But, that, but then again, that was but just it's not the media. Be, that's what I'm saying. And plus, crazy. It's, it's less about how the movie was, and I feel like more, like, everything surrounding the movie. But I'll give you Joker. But that's my, my point is, like, that's what I'm saying, like, we can sit here and pull out a couple, but TV shows I feel like this, this dominate. I don't. I don't feel like we talk about movies like we do TV shows. Yeah, I will say another thing. I think uh, for some reason I feel like Marvel does not not Marvel Netflix does it a lot better than most movies in the sense of like when Netflix is putting out a movie. They uh, put ads out and present it in a fashion that makes you want to really go see it. I mean, even if even if it's not going to be like that good of a movie, like for instance, Triple Frontier, it, it was intriguing, but it wasn't like a amazing movie. But don't you like, think it was okay? But my point is, they just know how to market, build hype. Yeah, but market. don't you think it's more of people's pure laziness? I mean, think about this. You can sit at home and watch anything on Netflix I mean, or that's Prime. Why, that's why but Amazon's movies, the greatest thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Movies, they just you have to pay ten to fifteen dollars. You have to get out of the house. You have to go at a certain time. You know, well, it's as much as Netflix in a month. Well, exactly. That's my point. And I think people are just like, I think they're just lazy. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, it's easy to watch a show from your house, but it, it takes an extra step to go to the movies. You know. Well, I mean, it caters to them, like you're saying, and I mean, is that a bad thing? I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing. I I don't mind as much watching a movie at home as I do like going to a theater. But I, but I do I do like the theater better. I, I think mean, a theater's better. Any I agree. Movie in a I I think is I think most people would agree with you. I'm just saying. But the, I think the problem is I think the gap is closing. I think the problem is this: movies or 
the producing of movies is always going up in the sense of like they're charging more and more. So then the theaters have to charge more and more. Yeah. So then you're sitting there and you're like, I'm paying more for a movie than I'm paying for my streaming services in a month. Why would I go see one movie? And that's a problem. Like if there's any way the movie theaters could bring it down, which is not even their choice because what they only make like a dollar off of every sell. And that's not much. That's 10%. Yeah, but I, I just so, feel like... But if they could bring it down, I feel like that draw draw a lot more people in. I agree. I, I just think the average movie fan, you know, they're, they're fine waiting to watch it on a streaming service or something instead of going on paying money, you know? Like, I mean, there, there's like, besides Marvel movies, Disney movie, any Disney movie really, I think you're going to have a hard time getting people to come out of the house and go see it that don't really care. Well, I guess it's a good thing we're not average movie fans taking Amen. one film class, Amen. you know. All right, so I, I, I that's, yeah. that's basically my discussion. I just wanted to bring that up. This has been something I think about. Um, Let's break into it. Yeah, moving on to our first movie is uh, Knives Out, Seth. Two hours, ten minutes. Uh, it's pretty much your, I mean, I could summarize this very well, but I think you all know what it is. It's just a detective mur- movie about a murder. Yeah, it's a like, I mean, super rich family, yeah. and the patriarch dies in the family, and uh, yeah. they bring in, uh, basically, the American Perot, you know, this detective. Well, he's he's not American. I know, but he he's plays... British. A, I know, but he plays an American, uh, played by Daniel Craig, and he's, uh, whoa, he's whoa, the main whoa. guy, but yeah. go on. We'll, we'll go on to the director first. Uh, Rain, Ryan Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. He directed Star Wars: The Force Awakens, or no, no Last, Last Jedi. Jedi. Yeah, the he also one. directed Looper in 2012, and that is probably yeah. Brick is supposed to be really good. I've never seen it though, but he's directed a Breaking Bad episode or a couple. But yeah, um, he wrote this too. I know we and both produced it, so I know we both really liked Looper, and we both were okay with the Star Wars. Yeah. Um, let's go into the people in it, the known people. So you got you got Daniel Craig playing like I said like the American pro. He's a his name is Bennett Bennett Blanc. Anyways, he's definitely British in this movie. No, he's not. He's American. He has then a what southern is up accent. With the accent. It's a southern accent. It was it's not like a Louis- southern yeah, accent. Yeah, it's a Louisiana accent. No, yes. dude, that was like straight no. British. No, no. Right, go ahead. No, go ahead. you're insane. Then you got uh, obviously as the family, you got Chris Evans playing like the grandson Ransom Drysdale. You got the nurse who in it is Marta Cabrera, and then Jimmy Lee Curtis is in it as one of the daughters. You got Michael Shannon. You got Don Johnson, Tony Collette. And if you don't know who Tony Collette is, she's the mother in Hereditary. Yeah, um, I mean this is a pretty all star cast. I mean you got Christopher Plummer playing uh, yeah, that's playing the patriarch as Harry and Trombley. And uh, it's just yeah, it's you just... even got the kid who is from it. Um, what's his name? Yes, Jaden Martell. Yeah, and it's um, this movie. I don't want to say it's straightforward, but it's kind of a straightforward murder mystery. I think it's done though really well. Yeah, like, it, it. All right, anyone? I'm just I'm just calling out right now. Anyone that says, "Oh, I knew that before they revealed it," bull crap. I mean, there is no way. Like. This goes back to a time when we used to play Clue, and one of our friends would always guess it on the second turn. Yeah, yeah they're cheating. There's no way. Yeah, I mean they've the, already seen the plot. The budget for this is uh, estimated to be forty million dollars, and um, it actually looks extremely well. Like I yeah. enjoyed the set production of it. They it basically all takes place inside of uh, like a giant mansion, 
And um, just the way they set the rooms and everything was really interesting. The the house has, like, secret passageways, of course, and stuff. And it's just a really, like, cool house to look at. It's cool. Like, it has secret doors and everything. It's, yeah. It's actually a really cool this place to film, What I a think, rich in general. mystery writer would have. Yeah. I really like the shots on when he's interrogating, where it pans back to people, circle shot, kind of. Yeah, the editing was yeah, done really well in this movie. it was very well done. Like, yeah. I liked that a lot. Like, that was a pretty cool shot. I will say, which is very interesting, which it's run-of-the-mill, but it's not run-of-the-mill in the sense of, like, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but not really. They reveal how the murder or the death happens pretty early on in the movie, and that way you have to kind of work backwards to figure everything out. And it's actually, like, surprisingly a ballsy technique, you know, showing how it happens. Yeah, but then but... you're still left in a mystery because there's still so many unanswered questions and stuff. So I think in that aspect, it really, like, elevates it from, like, your common, you know, murder mystery TV show. It makes it actually worth the movie. Also, the performances, like I mentioned, it has a pretty all-star cast. And everyone acts, I think, really, really well in yeah, this movie. I think I mean, it's very good acting. I found the family to be... They kind of go into the inner workings of the family. I found them all to be super interesting in the movie. Very and snobby, like, rich yeah, people. Yeah, snobby. But they're not even rich. They're... Well... They're, everyone knows yeah. it. It's the snobby person that thinks they're rich because their parents are rich. I mean, this movie is really fun, I think. I mean, it's funny. It's smart. I mean, it's actually, like, surprisingly funny. Like, more than I thought it was going to be. And I, they were good. Most of the jokes landed for me. Chris Evans actually plays a good role. Yeah, I would actually say, though... For me, this is a little nitpick, but I think Chris Evans, because he later on in the second and third act plays a more of a major role than he does in the yeah. first one, and I just found the other family members to actually be a little bit more interesting in my opinion than Chris Evans. I don't think he did a bad part. I just that's a nitpick. We'll get to that later. Yeah, but, but I, I, I kind of liked how he wasn't yeah. shown and then he was shown. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not saying he was bad at all. I'm just saying for me, he was kind of like a drier character in my opinion because I kind of knew. I kind of knew his character type and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I I liked, honestly, the movie was very well done. Like, yeah. They definitely, spent their, mo- they yeah. definitely spent their money well. Um, I don't think, I think if I had to say, like, the worst actor, I would I'd never that big of a fan of Chris Evans in the first place. Yeah. I also was a little bit, uh, are we going to start doing nitpicks? No, that you have anything else. Yeah, I was just gonna say this movie looked way better than it should have. They had a couple funny parts. Yeah, I'm just saying this movie was put together in a way that was exceed my expectations for sure. Because like I said, this movie was funny, and also like I said, I'll go back to it. The set design of this whole movie was really interesting. Like, just I mean, they had small rooms, you know, but there was so much packed into each room that gave it so much character and let you kind of like dig into each character more and more and all the flashbacks and everything were also really cool and stuff yeah and i think all in all it just had a really solid plot line i mean and like i said i don't think anyone guessed that the end mystery i just don't think you could have i did really like okay so there's a scene where they're all telling their stories and this is really isn't a spoiler but they're all telling their stories about the night of with him blowing out his candles on his birthday cake but every time they tell the story it's dumb around him, yeah, like exactly. smiling yeah, while yeah. he blows out the candles. But then you're sitting there, you're like, wait, if all of you were around him, but then all of you weren't, it doesn't make any sense, which is they're kind of preluding on 
everyone's telling a little bit of a lie. Well, because it ends up a little bit of a spoiler. Like, they all kind of fell out of favor with him. But it happens in a way that, like, they all want to act like they are all still in favor with him because they don't want to be the murder suspect, you know? And I think it's actually cool because I felt like the family was, like, a pretty good representation of a family. Now, obviously, like, they're, like, super corny and comical, right? But I think it does a good, like, 180, or, I mean, 360 on, like, the whole family unit. How, like, everyone's different, right? And they all kind of have a little disdain for each other, right? And But at the end of the day, they all have, like, one common goal. And, like, they all band together because they're family, you know? Yeah, um, that was funny. And how they all suck up, mad, yeah. suck up, whatever. But I really, uh... I guess I just have a couple nitpicks. Yeah, go ahead. And that's what I'm. I have some too. Going to get into. Um, I did like how he was in the background though when they were. Uh, revealing it, and I liked how they. Daniel Craig. I do. Yes. I do like how they had one mystery from the start of the movie, and it wasn't solved to the very end. Who paid Daniel Craig? Yeah, this should true. be there. Yeah. That that was really cool because they were even though they revealed his death early on. They didn't reveal the one mystery, which actually was the whole case in and of itself. But uh, you go ahead with your first nitpick. I was just going to say, um, Daniel Craig's accent, when it first hits you, it's very strange. Like, it takes a lot to get used to, you know? He also played kind of the same southern accent in Logan's Lucky. and uh, But he didn't play such of a major role as he did in this, so he didn't talk nearly as much. But to me, it sounds like the episode of The Office where they're playing the murder mystery, Death on the Bayou or whatever, and uh, Murder on the Bayou, and um, Andy has to give lessons on how to do the southern accent. He's like, you talk real slow, like, like syrup down here. And I was like, dude, he literally took these acting lessons from Andy from The Office. Yeah, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was, I don't know if that was on purpose, like they de-aged her, is that's how she actually looks, but she was looking a little bit old. Well, yeah, I think she's like 70 now. Yeah, um, but yeah, she was looking old for sure. Yeah. So I, I liked, but I didn't like, is how obviously in this movie one person's the good person. Yeah. Well, two, I mean the detective. Yeah. And then the one that's you know right about everything, but then again, I feel like the only person that's good in this movie besides the detective is uh the the mystery writer. Oh, the father? Yeah. Cre- or the grandfather? Christopher. Yeah. Thromby. Thromby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Harlan Thromby. Yes. Yeah, Har- Harlan. I feel like he was really the only good character in this. Because no. all in all, I mean, there were people that were good. But, I mean, honestly, the I opinion mean, to- I got, I didn't really like anyone except for him and the detective. Well, you mean like him or you think they did good acting? I liked acting. him. No, no. I, I thought the acting was pretty good. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah, I think across the board it was really good. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple like conversations. You know, like, I, I, didn't I actually, like. I really enjoyed uh, like Keith Stanfield, who plays a Lieutenant Elliot. He plays the main, yes, main he, cop. he was pretty because no. he's so. Dr- I like the other. I no. like the other police officer too. The he other was, police like, officer was better. Yeah, no, no, no. But I think hands down. Yeah, it was funny, but I think like Keith, like because he was so dry and was like, okay, well, guess we'll just do this. Like it, it added to the fun, like the dynamic, because you got Daniel Craig, who's like kind of this eccentric, like, like police, kind of like private eye. Then you got his other, his right-hand man, 
which that detective is just like, yeah, loves murder mystery, super hyped up, not super bright. And like, I feel like, uh, Lieutenant Elliot, he's just kind of like the perfect, like this right in the middle, you know? Yeah. I love how he grounds everyone. I love how they play. I mean, they really are like, I can't emphasize it enough. The family is played perfectly. They yeah. really, they truly are. I wasn't also a fan of the puking thing. I felt like that, uh, she pukes when she lies. I just, it just felt kind of fake. It was, it was corny and comical, but I that's think, that's what I mean. But so. I think, okay, I gave it a pass. That's, I think that's a fine nitpick, but I give it a pass because the whole movie, it, it did revolve around it. it. No, no, the whole movie is just kind of comic and kind of jokey, you know? Like it's just from the set design to everything. Yeah. And like the characters play such arc types, you know? I mean, it was okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't like a super big fan of it either. I felt like it was a little bit cheesier than everything else. But what I was going to say is actually, I don't... Chris Evans and uh, Marta the Nurse, they play like a bigger role in the second and third act. And I don't think they acted bad. I wanted to re- rephrase what I was saying earlier. I think the thing with both of them is that I think you go from the first act, which is like everyone's in it, everyone's talking, and you're constantly being thrown around, right? And you're getting different sides of everyone. But yeah. then when they start focusing just on two characters, it, to me, this feels like it slows down. Yeah. And I don't nice. think they do it as bad. I don't, I don't think the movie's necessarily any worse for it. I just liked it better when it was, like, chaotic and you're getting all these things, you're putting them together. And then, like, when it goes to then Chris Evans and Marta, it just feels like it slows down for me. And also, there's a scene where they play Marta totally out of character. Now, now tell me if I'm wrong here. She doesn't like lying, Period. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if she does, she throws up, like, spoiler, whatever, and you find out very early on. But there's a scene in it where she, like, the, okay, I, I'm trying not to spoil this, but say it. And I'm trying to, like, make it relevant so if you see the movie, you'll understand what I'm saying. So there's a scene with her and another person, right? And basically, they get pulled over. Yeah. And... The other person in the car takes the blame for all of it, right? And he, the detective asks her, like, whatever. Well, he doesn't take the blame, actually, but... He doesn't, yeah, but they take him. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But the detective asks her, like, hey, yes. did you, did he take, did he tell you to drive? Like, was he holding you under pressure? And she says, yeah. And then later on, she throws up for, for them to, like, justify it. But the problem I have with that is that is completely her out of character. Like, when she lies in the beginning... It's like very, very, very broad, bad line. When she lies at that scene, it's convincing. Yeah. It's very yeah. convincing. So it, it didn't feel like her. Like, it'd be another thing if she, like, lied, but it was, like, in the beginning where she's like, ah, yeah, and then she pukes, you know? Yeah. But it was another thing. She's like, yeah, he did. And it was kind of like, yeah, that's not really her character. Um, For me, another kind of a big hit for me was um it just felt like extra political wouldn't it have to be you know yeah uh i, I mean i was fine with a little bit of it because that didn't bother me but because you know most families i feel like do argue about a political stuff i mean i'd like to see one family in the world that yeah the it, whole family's on yeah, one side the whole movie kind of revolves around a pretty hot button issue i mean but um but I, I, I said i think I, we both like our movies with non-political issues. I think you couldn't even do it tastefully because, like I said, like you you mentioned, the family argues about politics, right? And it kind of makes sense because, like you said, most families do argue about politics. It's just kind of I mean, how it is. There's no family that. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't even offended, but they feel like they go on this like 
they go on this scene for way too long where I feel like he Ryan Johnson's obviously trying to make a point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it just goes on. It's super heavy-handed. And for me, I'm just like, well, that's why. why? Like, that's, it doesn't make sense to me, like, why he had to. I know he went so hard to make up his point, but it just didn't make sense to me. Like, it's a fine movie. Like, well, it's that, a fun mystery thriller. What's the point of getting super political? Th- th- this is my point. That's why you just got to keep it out. Because no one knows when to draw the line. It's like that. It's that one thing that no one knows to do. And that's to draw the line. Because no one knows that, no one should do it. Because as soon as you start putting it in, you're automatically picking, I feel like, enemies. Yeah, I just feel like... Well, and that's not a good thing. I mean, it's different if you're doing, like, a South Park approach, where you're just like, screw everyone, so we're just going to make fun of everyone on the face of the planet. That's fine. But they know how to do it. Well, it's not And even that's just, what they're going it's for. It's not even just that. It just feels like... It's not the movie for like I think there's movies for it, right? But this is just a fun crime thriller. Well, that's like why are we getting heavy handed into political situations where we don't have to? And like I said, it wasn't like it didn't ruin the movie for me by any means. Me either. I mean, I'm just like it just was something where I was like, it's a it took it took me out of the movie. Yeah, took me out of the movie for however long that scene lasted. Yeah, it it was just unnecessary scene. Exactly. Um. So what did you end up giving it? I actually gave it a nine out of ten. Really. I really liked it. I mean, it's probably one of my... F- I'm trying to think of the detective movies. I mean, how many detective movies I think do I know That's of? what I was trying to think of, too. This is a pretty Cause, like, new phenomenon. I don't. They don't make many like modern-day well, crime thrillers I know anymore. we've all seen The Pros. I've never seen Murder on the Orient Express, which is... Oh, you mean the newest one? Yeah, that's oh, written sucked, by the but... same... But, I mean, we've all seen The Pros, the TV show. I, me and you, I'm talking about. And I like those. Oh, Perot's. Perot's, yeah. I, I like those, but well, those are it's old. okay. Those I are always, older, too. I, I feel mean, like I can always predict it. I mean, I feel like I feel like they usually leave, like, mystery thrillers to TV. I just feel like Psych. that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Monk, yeah. you got... And, like, and NCIS. Just, I, mean, yeah. I mean, they usually... So it's kind of cool seeing it, especially, like I said, because it feels like it deserves to be a movie, right? It's not just, like, a TV show main to an hour and a half it the set design the production value the thought out plot line i think is yeah. worthy of like a movie which is cool okay so here's the thing i originally gave it an eight but then i was sitting back and i was like why did i give it an eight because i mean my i had nitpicks with it but like there's no nitpicks where i was like that really takes it down i mean it's definitely not town time like not even close. I mean, but I've then seen, again, it's like I've on the border of nine to eight for me. I've seen quite a few people give it a nine or even a ten out of ten. This, but no, um, I'm saying for me, like for me, it's just not, for me it was a well, seven. they're wrong. For me, it was point. a seven. It's. I mean, I liked it a lot. It just wasn't like. It just wasn't groundbreaking for me in any regards, and I did knock it off a point for being taking it out of the movie. But I, I just like I, I well shot. Like I'm definitely well shot. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna. I definitely recommend it. I'm just I saying, definitely I think, I think watch seven, it. I think, yeah, I would too. I think it's a seven out of ten. I'm fine with seven out of ten, unlike you. All right, let's uh, let's go on. We're gonna go into the Irishman, which is a little bit different. It's three and a half hours instead yes. of two hours. Um, it's basically, you know, you could guess it, a Martin Scorsese film, but it's a basically about a hitman, a mob boss hitman, and how he's basically and Jimmy Hoffman, Jimmy Hoffa. Is that how you say it? Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. yeah. It's basically about the hitman, though. It's all based around the hitman and another mafia. What's the other guy's name? Russell. Uh, Russell. Yeah. And Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. And 
it's basically just revolving around them in their world. And that's basically the movie. I mean, it's all centered around the hitman, like I said. But you got those other characters, which are pretty big characters. Yeah. Like, very big. I mean, I think this movie really, it basically takes all the stars from the 70s that you've known and loved from action movies or from dramas. With uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci comes back, Harvey Cattell. I mean, you have all these. And then you got newer actors, too. But I'm just saying, like, those are, like... For me, like the core of the 1970s, like yeah. I feel like those four people just really did a lot. Yeah, and I mean, and well, the director is Martin Scorsese, which we'll go into later. Everything he's directed, I feel like there's no point in going over it now when we're just gonna do it later. Yeah. Um, the budget. This is also a Netflix film. If you yep. did not know, it's on Netflix. So if you want to watch it, get Netflix and do it. Netflix, please sponsor us. Uh, the budget was 159 million, which is a gigantic budget. I mean, that's for, pretty uh, insane for a mafia for a cr- movie. Yeah, a crime thriller <laughs> to have 159 million. Like, I can see like a Transformers, is, but like, yeah, it's absolutely insane. Especially, but you want to say why going to Netflix? Well, yeah, because the movie takes place over what do you say? Probably t- like 50 years, almost. Yeah, yeah. definitely 50 years. Yeah. yeah. So they had to use the aging technology on Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, uh, De Niro to make him look younger. And I think we'll get into the de-aging and everything in a bit. I just because I think we should. I would like to know how long in the movie we should have we should have wrote this down. How long in the movie he was actually like himself? There's no de-aging. I think probably. Wouldn't you say the least? Yeah, I mean, it was probably I'm not, very I'm not little. Counting even like when they put makeup on him to look older. Yeah, yeah. Which I think about his, his actual yeah. just straight up. Is just like I think very little, which, which is kind of weird. I I feel like Scorsese was uh, testing the de aging because I feel like normally Scorsese would go for natural effects, but I feel like he's seen movies with this de aging and he's like, it's well enough for him and it's probably easier for him, especially when you have a big company like Netflix paying for it. Well, I also think it's like yeah, and I think also Scorsese, you know, he's seventy seven, right? So I mean, he's up there in age himself. And I feel like he wants, like, he obviously has a thing with, like, Joe Pesci and especially De Niro. Like, he has a relationship. So I think this is kind of, like, he wants to, like, he wanted to make a movie surrounded by these guys. But obviously, like, technology is at the point where it's doable to make this kind of movie, you know? And actually, and this, I, I mean, I personally really like this movie, but um, it, it's inter- entertaining throughout. It's three and a half hours, right? Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, we broke it up into two nights, which oh, which yeah. is fine. But I was actually never. I think it works on so many levels because it has good pacing throughout the whole movie. Yeah, but I mean, I'm never. I never was bored. See, never. I, I was never bored throughout it. I'd agree with you. But any three hour, mo- three and a half hour movie, even if it's Lord of the Rings, 100, percent it, it wears. It, it wears on, on you. you. I agree 100. percent And not, I feel like that's the problem. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying. This movie definitely, like, it's not, like, one of those things where, like, the middle hour, you're just like, oh, my gosh, what am I watching? Yeah, I mean, it was good throughout. I mean, they probably could have, like, let's be honest. They probably could have cut out some stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, because it was just a life story. Like, they could have left out some stuff, I don't know but if they I could've. see why it's added in. Could you think of anything they could have cut out? Yeah, I think they could have cut out just pieces of it. I, I don't think of anything that happened I felt like was pretty important I liked it I, I definitely liked the beginning 
where you found out how he built all the relationships, the hitman I'm talking about, which is played by Robert De Niro. Yeah, it's an interesting story. So basically, I mean, I'll give a more of a plot synopsis here. It's um, De Niro is working as a truck delivery guy, and what happens is he gets in with kind of the mob, and he starts delivering the steaks to them instead. They start getting paid all stuff. Well, he gets threatened to be fired because he's giving away all these steaks. He gets in. He gets in with his lawyer, played by Ray Romano, which is great. I love Ray Romano. And he's so, a part of the mob. Yeah. So, therefore, he now has ties. You know, he's part of the union. Unions are all tied with the mob. Therefore, it's all, like, interconnected. And at first, he starts working for Russell, which is Joe Pesci, who's, like, this mob boss, basically. And he gets in with Jimmy Hoffa halfway through the movie. He becomes, basically, Jimmy Hoffa's, like, right-hand man, personal bodyguard. I mean, just everything with Jimmy Hoffa, basically. Yeah. Which is played by Al Pacino. And um, as the movie progresses, that's how it kind of goes along. I mean, it's just the story. It's the, basically... Starts off with the rise of De Niro, and then to me, it kind of switches over to Jimmy Hoffa and his life, and then it drops back to De Niro, in my opinion. So I, I liked this movie in the sense of acting. I thought the acting was very well done. I mean, you you have some stellar you, who's, people. I, I do have a question. Who's your favorite? I don't know, man. I always like Joe Pesci in all of his movies. I, I do love Joe Pesci coming back. Like and especially in this, in this movie, he it's, plays like a low back chill. Yeah, just like it's super fun just seeing him like back doing it again. I mean, oh, I was yeah. super excited. Fun watching. I that. mean, this. Okay, I'm gonna throw this one out there. Okay, this might be one of the best duos ever. I mean, think back. All of the 100%. movies. Joe Pesci <laughs> and De Niro. Yeah, <laughs> all of the movies. They all every single one of the movies. They for sure carried the movies. And no, I just I enjoyed it. It was a great plot. It was interesting. Like, they had action scenes evenly spaced out throughout the movie, I feel yeah. like. Um, they had interesting scenes. The dialogue was great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a mafia movie. I mean, it's probably not the... I mean, it's probably not the most solid mafia movie he's made. I mean, it's a good movie. But yeah. I think if you're going for a straight I think, mafia... I think, I think Goodfellas is a better technical even movie. I've, yeah. Um, I had something. I mean, my fa- had something. my favorite is actually I really enjoyed Al Pacino in this, playing Jimmy Hoffa. Like surprisingly, I liked him the best, even in this movie, which yeah. was really weird because I like I like Al Pacino a lot. Don't get me wrong, but like I was definitely expecting to like Joe Pesci or De Niro better in this. Yeah, and it just felt like I I hate to say it because I feel like they did give it their all. I feel like De Niro was acting his heart out at seventy years old, and so was Joe Pesci, right? But I felt like Al Pacino I still had that grit, you know? He still had that grit going for him and stuff. It just felt the most alive out of the three. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I also, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Ray Romano actually has way more to do in this movie than I ever thought he would, which is actually yeah. really cool because I like seeing him. Like I said, I've seen him earlier this year, another Netflix movie, Paddleton, which I think was a really good movie. But Yeah, so uh, I remember what I was going to say now. So I think I feel like Scorsese's been kind of working into this. He kind of like makes his movies and the, he makes them feel very realistic. But the thing is, like, it happened. Like, I mean, like, well, this movie happened. It's a dramatization, but, but, but no, no, I'm saying his other movies. But I'm saying I like this movie in the sense of it's like history, but, you know, in a film. Well, no, Goodfellas so, is like that, too. Th- that's it's what I'm bas- saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I like that a lot. 
I mean, yeah. even, well, for instance, Casino. They make it feel like that, too. In the end, he's like, you know, we started out like this, and then all the people took over. Like, he made it sound, he made it seem realistic, and I like that. Yeah, I like, I like movies that you feel like this actually happened, and you're learning something. You're not yeah. just watching a film. Yeah, Um, I mean, I also liked, each time they introduced a sub-character, it told you the date when they died and how they died, which cool. I thought was a really cool thing. Like, it was just, like, a little text box underneath them, which I thought was a really interesting thing, like, basically showing, like, no one made it out of the business. Yeah. Like, everyone involved pretty much dies, you know? I did, except for except for the Hitman. I really like, um, I already told you this, the shots of when it would pan at the right side of the the film would be on a car, like the That's front true. end of a car, yeah. and it'd be perfectly squared off. Yep, Those and it would just be cool going shots. perfectly as the car is going. And so on the left side you see down the street, but on the right side you see the car. And I mean it's moving, even with the car. Yeah. It was a beautiful. Yeah, shot. There, there was two of them that I really enjoyed. Now. Now, I think we should get into de-aging a little bit, because I think, like, that's the pinnacle of this movie. That's kind of what they sold this movie on and everything. Yeah, I feel like this is honestly kind of most recent, since, you know, like, the Russians, <laughs> the Russian app that, and they're like, don't give me oh, your face away. I was like, what no, the heck you no, talking No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I mean, I know they've had this around for a long time, but I feel like they've never used it. Um, I mean, Terminator Dark Fate used it. But I don't think anyone's used it to Never. the levels even close of what Scorsese used it. That's what I mean. And, um, no, I mean, did it work for you? They used it. No, that, that'd that be, I was going to say in Star Wars, but that they guy's They did. They that did it on Rogue dead. One. Well, yeah, but yeah. they still de-aged him. And no, they, no. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying, but they still, it still was a de-aging. What, I thought he was dead. So I, I thought mean, it was he like is dead. CGI. It basically is, but they also had to de-age him. I mean, they used multiple technology. It wasn't. It, yeah, it's the same program. Yeah, pretty much. okay, I get it. What are you gonna say now? I'm saying, do you think it worked? Yeah, I think it worked very well. I actually liked it. It looked very realistic. I mean, there was a couple times, like maybe like once or twice, I kind of like picked up. It didn't look as good, but overall, it honestly looked pretty phenomenal. I think it worked pretty well. Um, the only problems I saw was. During some of the action scenes, even though he looked younger, like, he still is a 70-year-old man. So, like, he just was, like, stiffer, slower, you know what I'm saying? Which didn't, like, throw me out of the movie or anything. I'm just saying, yeah. like, that's definitely, like, one flaw. And then um, the de-aging, for the most part, looked good. But I don't think it ever made him look younger than 50. Yeah, well, for I mean, sure. I mean, that's a, with De Niro and Pesci, too. I mean, I mean, it did good. Don't get me wrong. Like, but I don't think the technology is where... Because, like... Well, I think when it he, does better looking old. Well, it wasn't. That was just makeup. That was just makeup and stuff. When they made him look older. But um, he. I just feel like it never made him look young enough to where like they wanted him to be. Where you felt like it was like. And also solid. the thing is, I think it's kind of weird because like we've seen De Niro in Godfather Two and Taxi Driver where he's young. Like we've actually seen like young yeah. De Niro, right? And the de aging on it, it doesn't necessarily look like De Niro young like you get what I'm saying it's almost like a different alternate history of De Niro it looks like him in his same size and state just with a younger face yeah like that's what I'm saying like it doesn't necessarily like pull off the full effect for me but I mean this is super ambitious it didn't look bad 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, I was never, like, thrown off because of it. Just more throws you off the acting, I think, in it. Because, like, when they have to do physical stuff, it just doesn't necessarily flow as well. Just because they're old. And, I mean, you can't really, like, blame anyone for that. I yeah. mean, it's a very ambitious movie. And they're trying to do things that's never been done before. And I think, for the most part, they accomplished that. Yeah, so, uh, I actually have a funny fact. So, you know, IMDb has a top, what is it, 250 list? Yeah. Movies, best movies ever. Yeah. This made 92. I know, yeah, it's a really high rating. But you want to know something even crazier? Joker made 19. I know, I... I can't I, believe... I don't know about that one, but... I can't, no, I can't believe the media didn't go crazy on that one, too. Yeah. Um... This definitely feels like um. I'll go into that next, but I w- like a couple of the quotes from this. It's actually based off a book called Painting Houses, I think, or I Heard You Paint Houses, and they quote that in this movie. I think that's like, a really cool line in it. I he's do. like it, Jimmy Hoffa calls him up. He's like, I heard you paint houses. He's like, I do. I also do the carpentry. You know, it's oh, a, a really cool like it has this so many talk. famous quotes like, "You always charge your guy with a gun." With a knife, oh, you yeah, run yeah, away. Yeah. That's such a famous quote. And then also, you know, it's one of the, like, the scenes like this is the scenes that I really, really like in movies. There's a scene where Jimmy Hoffa has a big thing where you have to be on time. Right? Yeah. And he only waits 10 minutes for you. After 10 minutes, he's you're making a statement. He doesn't like it. So there's one time he's meeting with... Well, he thinks if you're late, you're making a statement. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you're more and, than 10 minutes late. And if he thinks if you're more than 10 minutes late, he's like, no. Nah. Yeah, he's not waiting for you. So anyways, there's a scene where he sitting down with another kind of like mob boss and he shows up like 15 minutes late. He's not dressed in a suit. Well, he's known this guy for a long time. And this guy's kind of a douchebag too. And then Jimmy Hoffa just goes into this great dialogue about how like yeah. traffic is, he gives 10 minutes. He's always already, he always dresses. Like, it's I'm like accounting such, for traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a great scene. Like this, I think like scenes like that, I think is what makes Scorsese Scorsese. Those individual scenes where you're just like, this is like master filmmaking right here. Like I love the dialogue. Yeah. I love everything about this scene. It portrays the characters perfectly. I mean, I just yeah. love it. It's just one of those scenes that I'll think about for a long time. And this movie's basically based on one of the greatest mysteries in U.S. history. It's true, Jimmy Hoffa, and it hits close to home because literally we're right by Detroit. So yeah, I mean, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it does. Yeah. It was interesting because I personally didn't know too much. I mean, I knew a little bit about it, but once again, I didn't know that much. Kind of like Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I would say this is one of his more heartfelt films. Yeah. In my opinion, I feel like I feel like he got movies like um, Raging Bull, uh, um, Silence, Irishman. I feel like... Now, of the three, I think probably Irishman is probably the least of the other two. Yeah. Emotional-wise. But I think the way this movie ends is... Per- I really, really, really like the ending. No, I From agree. a personal standpoint. I mean, this movie feels like... Because well, it goes throughout this whole movie where De Niro, he has like four daughters, right? Yeah. But the oldest daughter, Peggy, he has a really bad relationship with her. Because she kind of knows that De Niro's a hitman. Like, she knows he does bad things, right? So he always lacks his relationship with her. And he always wants a relationship with her, but she just doesn't really want to deal with him. Yeah. And it's this kind of like sad movie that he's chosen, basically, he's chosen his career and life over family, basically. And at the end of the day, he's left with no one. Yeah. Because all of his mob bosses are either, by the time he's 80, either dead 
still in prison, hate him. I mean, he doesn't have anyone else. And his family doesn't like him, so he's left by himself, right? Yeah. And I think that's like kind of like a common theme we've kind of seen in like Ad Astra and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, when does motivation outweigh like prior? It's all about priorities. Yeah. And so I, I really enjoy it. Like I said, this movie goes a little deeper than I think some of his previous movies do. And, and I think a good thing that a good director, and this goes with good acting, good acting makes you feel for the characters. It makes you feel like you're in their position. And, I mean, spoiler alert, I mean, his daughter, like, towards the end, basically is just like, you know, they basically have a tie-up and they, she doesn't like him anymore, basically. So she won't talk to him. So you actually feel for Robert De Niro. You're like, you kind of feel sad for him. You're like... I mean, even though he's a hitman and he's killed well, and so you, many people. I mean, you sleep in the bed you you make, you know? You lie in the bed that exactly. you make. Exactly. So you actually feel for him. And I think that just proves that it was good acting yeah. for me. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, I will say, though, um, there is uh, someone on Twitter actually made, which I think is pretty cool. Seems that it's on Netflix and you can watch it kind of episodically. This guy actually made it so you can watch it in four parts. He said the points where to stop it at. Yeah. And so you can watch it in four parts, which I think is a smart idea. Because I don't think a lot of people have three and a half hours Making on their it hands. into a TV show. <laughs> so if you can like cut it up into like four different parts or even two parts, you know, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously best if you can sit and watch the whole movie. But how many people can do that? I agree. It's a, it's a long movie. Especially Martin Scorsese. I mean, all of his films are running about three hours. Yeah. Um, and for this movie, like Seth kind of said, it kind of hit on something. Like, it obviously relies heavily on unions. And I'm not gonna get into my political loose spot unions, but I think it does a good, good job in showing like the balance. Like obviously, the businesses had all the power right back in the 1920s and 30s, right? Basically, and then all of a sudden, like they're cheering workers, they had really bad schedules. Unions come in, right? They upset that, but then the unions become so powerful and obviously corrupt and like, everything bad. He was sitting on eight billion dollars yeah. in money, so it's like. The unions then hold too much power. I think now, even though I think a lot of people just will disagree with me, I think now things have evened out to a good yeah, point. They're pretty balanced. Uh, yeah, where where I think workers have power, but also not like stupid, crazy too much power. You know. Yeah. But um, um, so what'd you give it? Um, I give it nine out of ten. I give it the same. Oh, you did. I yeah. I did not think you liked this that much. No, I liked it. It was very well. Uh, um, just I was just gonna say, um. This is actually the first time Al Pacino's in any Scorsese movie. Yeah, I saw that. Which is, I think is absolutely insane. Because, like, he feels like the perfect Scorsese, like, actor. Yeah, but I feel like he already has two of the most solid actors. Oh, no, I agree. But I just feel like, when I saw that, I was like, I feel like he's been in a Scorsese, like, I feel like he's been in a Scorsese movie just because, like, he kind of plays the same genre. And then also, I just want to kind of talk about, like, how, like... No studio pick would pick up this movie, which I think is absolutely insane. And this kind of speaks to my first point I made earlier in the podcast about how I think cinema has kind of died. Like, I get it that it's maybe not a Marvel movie, right? It's not a Disney movie where it's an easy billion dollars. But it's still Scorsese, right? And it's a mom movie with De Niro and Joe Pesci. And right, no one had faith in this movie, even though it did would have a big budget, and I think that did scare people, but, like, 
Thank God for streaming services. Thank God that Netflix has this cash pit that they're able to throw at content. Especially because I don't think this movie would have been made if it wasn't for Disney Plus being released. Because I think Disney Plus scared Netflix into saying, okay, we need something to get people back on the Netflix bandwagon. I think this movie, I don't know if it's done it, but I think it's like a really good attempt at it. I mean, making this high-class film... I mean, throwing basically endless money at it, blank check at it, is just really impressive. And that's why I think streaming services are a net good. And also, do you, do you think, like, at first I thought Disney Plus was just going to absolutely ravage everything else. Everyone would, because it's like half the price. Yeah. No one's going to have Netflix. But then I thought, now that it's been a couple of weeks, I'm like, yeah, Disney Plus has the Mandalorian. And they have, like, the best collection of movies and TV shows off probably any streaming service, right? Back catalog. I mean, in the sense of, like, classics. I sure. Mean, I got... wouldn't say the best movies, but I mean, I'd say definitely caters to the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Movies. Family, fr- I mean, family friendly. Yep, I yeah. agree with that. Um, What I would say is I think they could easily because I know they own Hulu or have a part in Hulu. Yeah, they so own Hulu, yeah. definitely if they... You know, put a lot. Of, I think if they put a lot of money into these streaming services, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think you beat out Netflix because I think Netflix is even a Stranger Things, House of Cards. I mean, Ozark. I mean, they have I, some really good stuff. Here's the thing. I think if Netflix keeps up what they're doing, like hiring Martin Scorsese to make a film, yeah, I think they'll stay in business. I think Prime will never go out of business because it's the richest it's company Amazon, in yeah. the world. Um, I think Crackle. Has always been out of business. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just trying to think of. A I just feel like I feel like service. Netflix though is just. I feel like they're in a good place. Like oh, they're yeah. in a fine place. I mean, I, I wish they. I think fine. they should lower the price, but they they have to keep upping the price because like they're doing these Scorsese projects that are costing one hundred fifty nine million dollars. I mean, so like <laughs> I think it's like sixteen ninety nine for per month. Uh, yeah, yeah, I but think that's for 15. four. That's for four. So, oh, that's what I mean. Fifteen ninety nine. All right, so I know you want to do top Scorsese films. You want to do top five, but since I I think I have mine, I've only seen 11. I uh, wish I saw King of Comedy. It's pretty much the only one I wish I saw. Maybe Mean Streets because he's known for that. Yeah. But um, how about we just do 11, top 11? Top 11? Yeah, or, or your top Scorsese films. Have you only right. seen 11? Uh, yeah, I think I've actually only seen no, 11. No, you've definitely seen 12. Because I've seen eleven. You're, um, you're missing one. We'll figure out yeah. soon enough. If if I can't think of it, it probably just does zoom in. Alright, so I, I haven't seen I I will say this. I have not seen After Hours and I have not seen a lot of his um non like Scorsese movies. Like I haven't seen Lent's Temptation of Christ. I haven't seen Age of Innocence. I haven't seen Mean Streets either. But from what I've seen, this is uh my top eleven, which is a really weird no, number. Wait, wait, wait. Do you want to go, like, I give my top one, you give your top one, or do you want to just do all the way down the list? We'll go 11, 11, you know? Okay, you want to start at 11? Yeah, why would we go number one? Everyone wants to wait for I know, I know, but I'm wondering if you want to do, like... Okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so uh, coming at number 11 for me is uh, Aviator. I think it's a a super solid pick. I think we can both agree on this one. I just think it's one of those movies where... um, you see it and then you don't really think about it again, which is kind of weird because the performances in it are really good. Yeah, I mean it's a super, it's kind of a it's weird a story. It's yeah, a history story. It's, 
I mean, fairly true. And so, like, I really enjoy that part of it's it. It's played by Leo, which is yeah. phenomenal. I mean, everyone in it does a good job. It's just, for me, it just is long, and it's, it's just weaker films, for sure. Yeah, I, which I don't know why, but it is. You're yeah. right. It's weaker. So, so. Uh, Ten. I have Raging Bull. Raging Bull. I do. That's, uh, no. Uh, for me, it'd be Gangs of New York. See, um, I knew you were missing one, and that's the one you were missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So add that yeah, one real quick. Um, no, for me, I think, I think Raging Bull has a. I'm, not, I'm gonna go into Raging Bull more on my list, but so you Aviators go ahead. You 12, g- give it Aviators twelve for you, and then would be your would be your eleven. Just say that real quick. Uh, my eleven's uh, Gangs of New York, which it was a solid film. I mean, I, it's I, cool. I, it has it stars Leo and. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis. Day-Lewis. I think this movie is nothing without Daniel Day Lewis. I think it's not. It's not like the great. I think it's a good Leo performance, but it's not like phenomenal. Yeah, the time period and everything around it are kind of weird. Like it's, it doesn't. Is. It doesn't feel like it's in time. That's why I have it lower on my list. Yeah, the second watch for me is just it was not as good. I mean, Daniel Day Lewis, as always, phenomenal. And I'm not saying this is a bad movie. It's just for me, I feel like in Scorsese ranks. Yeah, it just is not there for me. Yeah. Uh, what do you have for ten? My number ten. Um, I have a uh, King of Comedy. I can't attest to it. Never seen it. So. I need to rewatch it. Um, I really enjoyed it actually, but I need to rewatch it because the first yeah. time I watched it, there was some lulls in it. But I think it's still a great movie, especially if you've seen the Joker and you like the Joker. I think this is a more perfect Joker. Yeah. For so for me, um, with Raging Bull. Yeah, that that's my ten. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I just didn't think the Joe Pesci was that strong of a role. I think, uh, I think uh, Robert De Niro had a really strong role and played it very well. Yeah, I think I just think Joe Pesci kind of let me roles. down, so that's why I have it lower because I feel like their best mo- Martin Scorsese's best movies. Is when he has two duos that play phenomenal. When he only has one, it's just not as intriguing to me. Yeah, I I, th- I actually have Aging Bull at my number nine. Um, I my, actually mine's re- Gangs. So I'm just saying, yeah. So we flip flop basically. Yeah, <laughs> I just think I think with Raging Bull, the only problem I have with it, I think it's a great movie. I love it that it's black and white. The boxing scenes are actually really cool, and the way it goes through his life, actually, I think is really cool because it goes like every year, but it goes from like fight to fight. Well, he tried setting apart from Rocky, which yeah, he did, and it's actually his comeback film. He was actually on death's door because he tried to commit suicide, and um, basically De Niro came to him and said, "Hey, listen, let's make this movie," and it kind of brought him back, you know. And um, I really enjoyed this movie. I do think though the first bit is really slow for me. And doesn't it? Do, it's not as tight. It doesn't feel because I'd agree. The end of the movie is actually really good. It hits it's pretty not, hard. It's not paced like a Scorsese. Yeah, it's just the beginning is just kind of feels like it's just eh, whatever. This is okay, but then I think middle to end, it really picks up for me and becomes super enjoyable for me. So but, yeah, so we have the same number eight. Um, what did you have for? Oh no, we, we have the, the same, same number eight. The Irishman. Yep, I put Irishman as my number eight. I, I think it was solid. It's just he just has better movies. I think with a <laughs> I think with a rewatch it could go up, but for right now I'm I'd pretty agree. confident with the number eight. I like like I said though, 
I give this movie a 9 out of 10, so everything after this is still a 9 or a 10 out of 10, which is really weird for me because Scorsese, like, I really enjoy his movies, but he's still not one of my favorite directors. Like, he's up there. I mean, top 10, easy. But I'm saying that he's still not number, f- like, 5. It's weird because his movies all are, like, 9 or 10s for me. So I, I just have this weird relationship with Scorsese yeah. that I really can't explain. But Okay, so the next one, I don't know if it'll come as a surprise to you, but... I have at number seven, Silence, which don't say where yours is, but tell me your seven. Uh, my number seven is uh, I got The Departed. Now, for me, Silence was interesting because he used two characters that he normally doesn't use. Actually, three, technically. Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, and Liam Neeson. Great movie. I mean, honestly, he did something different than he normally does. Yeah. I it- Which I love, and it was greatly filmed there were just some scenes that were kind of slow for me i get it no i totally get most people with uh i feel like it is not as like watchable mm-hmm. as a lot because it still has that scorsese length because it comes at like i think two hours and 45 minutes 41 like oh i was gonna say you know irishman not to get too far off topic is the longest movie like mainstream movie produced in the last 20 years i believe it i mean i just well, thought it was kind of weird when was I mean, since 99, so... I mean, are we counting extended cut? No, 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 no. <laughs> Or Hobbits? No. Um, so, yeah, mine comes in at uh, number seven, The Departed. Uh, I feel like this movie, I like this movie a lot. Don't get me wrong. I think this is Mark Wahlberg's best movie. Some yeah. people might say Wicked Nights, but no, it's The Departed. It is. I think he's phenomenal in it. I, mean, I think this movie is funny. The other has, guys. I mean, how can you not love Matt Damon? I mean, he's so much fun. Leo in this, I think, gives, like... Oh. One of the most convincing roles, because like you actually feel like he's running away from his problems, like about to die at any minute. Like he gets such a great performance in this movie. I think underrated, actually. It's phenomenal. Not that many people give him credit for this movie, because I think he has plays bigger parts in other movies. But this movie, he really goes for it. I oh. feel like I really believe him as a character in this movie. The only problem I have with this, which is really weird for me, is I'm not a big fan of Jack Nicholson in this movie. Really? Yeah, he just feels a little corny to me in this movie. Like, he doesn't feel in place. Like, he feels too comic booky in this movie. And, like, I'm one of the biggest Jack Nicholson supporters out there. I just don't like it nearly as okay, much. so this is what I'd say. I think I think you've just seen some phenomenal mob boss is played. Yeah. And I would definitely say he's on the weaker end yeah, it's, of mob bosses. It's, it's a personal preference. I mean. No, I'd agree with that. Um, so what do you have for six? Number six I have coming in is, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, see, I have Casino. See, okay. I think the Wolf of Wall Street is, it's his funniest movie. I think it's for sure his funniest movie. I mean, it's so, the whole, the whole movie is about drugs and alcohol and betting and it's a super fast paced and that's how you feel. It's a, and this is another history three. Yeah. It's a three hour long movie. But it does not feel three hours long. This movie not, is on hyperdrive. It feels like literally an hour. Easily probably one of the best Jonah Hill performances. I disagree oh, with Seth, but I think Superbad still is best. But this movie is like, he's going for it. Like, this is Jonah Hill, top of the game. I mean, hilarious. Leonardo DiCaprio, great in this movie. I think this is Jonah Hill's best. I mean, this movie is nonstop. And it's like in Dogs, super too. interesting. It kind of has almost like you know, big short quality to it where he's kind of explaining the market and stuff like that. All I'm going to say is Margaret Robbie's in this. Yeah. So it should automatically move the place up. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't, I have one, I think kind of issue with the movie. I think it, um, 
the 561. No, 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 no. I, it's a great movie. I just don't, it just, for me, it just doesn't have, I think this is probably one of the most rewatchable Scorsese movies. So, so I, oh, I'd agree. Um, so I had Casino and, uh, what I'd say about Casino is honestly, <laughs> Robert De Niro, whatever you say now is wrong. Robert De Niro, Joe Pecci, phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really phenomenal. But this is what I'd say about it. It had him split in this movie. Yeah, and that, that, I, that I, broke I, my okay, heart. I'll give you, that does that break my, my heart, heart too. That like, does too. Like, We're like, how could he be yeah, you? Exactly. <laughs> Screw you, Joe Pesci. <laughs> exactly. I know. I so th- that really broke my heart. So that's why it did not make my top five right there. I mean, phenomenal movie. Also, it kind of went the mafia aspect, but not really. And I really like the mafia yeah. aspect, especially Martin Scorsese mafia aspect. But that's why I made my six. Honestly, because at this point, all of his films I love almost equally. Yeah. But it's just, like, down to the slightest thing. Yeah, back, back to kind of Wolf of Walls. I'll, I'll talk more about it when you yeah, say yours. Yeah. Um, your number five? Same one. Taxi Driver? Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, yeah. I think this is pro- – I mean, this is the start, really, of Scorsese being yeah. Scorsese. Um, great movie. Honestly, the Joker that we've seen this This is the year first Joker. Is really, like, a key and comedy and – taxi driver but this is really i think a better devolve into madness and it's so he, scorsese does these anti-heroes both in wolf of wall street and in uh taxi driver even king comedy where they're not good people you're rooting for right yeah but you're rooting for them and i think it's easier to root for i think um in taxi driver i think it's easier to root for nero than it is the joker yeah because like He's still somewhat sympathetic, but he's like detached. Yeah, from he's society. A bit crazy. <laughs> oh, he's for sure insane. But it's like this movie is so dark and gritty, and there's so many scenes in this movie that like, kind of like The Godfather, have gone on to influence so much other media. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, so so here's my aspect on it. I I like, I like a good movie when I see one, you know. But I think a thing that puts a shelf up for me. Is when you do something that most people don't. So Taxi Driver would definitely fall in one of those categories. Yeah. I would even say uh, something like Shutter Island, where it's a plot twist. Yeah. Uh, falls I, in those categories. This is, this is the, I mean, it's so funny seeing De Niro so young. And he does play such a good... He this, looks, he honestly looks different. And I think this movie does a really good job of painting like 1970s New York. Like, the New York today is not the 1970s. The 1970s New York is this dark gritty underbelly and like he feels like it's his job to clean it up you know and it's just kind of like it's super demented and twisted and like yeah super emotional and it, has, it, it packs is. a punch and uh i really like this movie still though i mean it makes my top five but it uh does is not obviously higher up i mean yeah so uh moving on to four i have wolf on wall street yeah wolf on what wall, do you have well, mine is uh goodfellas Okay. I know this is kind of controversial. I'll explain my let's theory. Let's do Wolf on Wall Street first. So this is what I'd say. is Obviously, I enjoyed it a little bit more than you. I I, mean, I, I love this movie. I honestly thought this movie was hilarious. Yeah. Like, there's only two <laughs> Martin Scorsese movies I've probably laughed at. And when I say laughed at, like, I mean really laughed at any scene. And there'd be this one and The Departed. And the only reason I left it The Departed is because the scene with Mark Wahlberg in The Office is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But the reason I put this at four is because I genuinely enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Leo goes 
hundred and ten percent. So and hard. Anytime they show the office is just absolute insanity, <laughs> and, and it's like so great. And I, Jonah Hill, yeah, it's a, it's insane. <laughs> like Jonah Hill, and then on top of it, you got uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is he doing? Like, he, honestly, it takes you into it takes you into Wall Street, and you literally think everyone there is psychopaths, and then the cop is played phenomenal. The cops. Yeah. His father is funny. Yeah. They're all funny. This, this, like, the, the whole movie is funny. Uh, there's, like, a lot of controversy around this. They're like, why are we praising characters that we know are bad? Like, it's anti-hero of uh, a real guy. And for me, it's like, he's living the American dream. And everyone's like, oh, that's the problem with American dream. Like, it's just evil corruption. Well, I'm like, well, it finds itself out. Like, these bad players, these bad faith people get caught. Yeah. Like, he suffered his company got shut down like yeah he might have made all this money and stuff but he gets it all taken away from him and it's not like fails because he didn't do it the right thing and here's the thing it's like a pure thing of the free market the free market fixes itself well to all those haters it's like it's not like they cover up that he was taken to jail or anything like that if anything that's like a whole half of the movie that his whole world is broken up because of this oh i find that a lot of people i mean i don't like either to be rooting for like a bad guy but I mean, like, he's so Leo is so much fun. This is his best. I think this is his best performance. I think beats Revenant. But for right. me, okay, give me Goodfellas. I'm not gonna say it till my it comes number to four mind. is Goodfellas. Now, I think this pisses a lot of people off because Goodfellas is usually like a one or a two, right? In most people's sure. Scorsese sure, ranks. Yeah. I mean, this movie is like probably to me. I like Godfather better, but a lot of people say Goodfellas is better than Godfather. I mean, it's probably the, one of the most perfect mom movies of all time right i mean joe pesci de niro sitting down at for dinner at scorsese's actual mom yeah is and there's eating spaghetti like at 3 a.m i mean this movie has so much in it so so many iconic scenes and everything and i truly love this movie right yeah i will say though there's one flaw in this movie i never am in love or i'm never attached to the main character yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I find I find him to be unlikable in my opinion. Like, I cheer for Pesci, I cheer for De Niro, but the main character I'm just not in love with. I'm not infatuated with him, and like the whole last bit of the movie is all surrounding by him, and I'm just not nearly as in love with him as a character. Yeah, I can and see that. So therefore, it's my number four. Yeah. Uh. So moving on to three, you have Casino, I have The Departed. So. I mean, we've already both kind of went over these movies, but I'd like to know why you have Casino up there with The Traitor. I think Casino is Goodfellas, but for me, everyone's likable. And that's why I think it tops it for me. And also, gambling uh, movies automatically an extra point for me in my see, book. I can see that. I love gambling movies. But I just can't get over, man. No, no, no. Listen. It's, you're breaking end, up the listen, brothers, The man. end scene where they have to send the old mob bosses to go around killing <laughs> everyone so to tie the loose ends, that is I think so is phenomenal. It's like one of the coolest things in the world because they're like this 60-year-old dudes and they're just like, oh, man. Like, they've been, obviously been at this. It was like De Niro and the Irishman, you know? Yeah. They've been at this for 40 years now, right? Just so. being hit, man. <laughs> and I love it, you know? And uh, this movie is long, but I think it's... De Niro, one of his best performances, easily. I mean, because this actually yeah. like, dives into him and his scumbag of a wife, you know. Uh, Pesci gets pinned against it, but it's because of his wife. So, therefore, it's kind of redeemable about yeah. Pesci. But, yeah, Pesci, this is, like, 
Pesci at peak. I mean, Goodfellas, Pesci's peak, right? But this is right around the corner. And you know what? Actually, Casino is the last movie that Scorsese made uh, with De Niro beside the Irishman. So, uh, yeah. I, I really love it. It just feels like a more perfect Goodfellas, in my opinion. So I put The Departed. And for me, there's two films I really like. I like mafia films and I like cop films. And when I say cop films, get this bull crap out of here. Like, let's be cops. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, The Departed, L.A. Confidence, like, good cop films. And and this, I think, was my first Martin Scorsese film I saw, The Departed. And I just, I mean, just Mark Wahlberg's performance. And he's not even in it that much. I mean, he is, but he isn't. Like, he doesn't play a lead role. But him combined with Matt Damon playing, like, this ultra cop that yeah. it starts from the ground and tries going to the top, like most of Scorsese films. And then you have Leo, who's almost the same, but takes a different route. It, it's just, like, it's so good. Now, I can see what you're saying about Jack Nicholson. I, I, I do agree it's probably one of the weaker mafia bosses yeah but i don't know this just has a special place in my heart this movie yeah i i mean i i like it a lot this tie does not crack my top five all right so number two i have goodfellas you have shutter island now let's go into goodfellas first because okay. we've talked about goodfellas go yeah. and we haven't talked about shutter island so what i would say about goodfellas is okay caleb's probably gonna kill me for saying this but for mafia movies for me, this might be above The Godfathers. I, mean, I just, it's just a lot of people. I mean, I won't say a lot, but a lot, a, a good amount of people think the same thing. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, just a perfect mafia film for me. Yeah, like, uh, that's fine. The spaghetti adds to it. Even the beginning, when he, when he's a kid, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. That just like, I like that a lot. When it goes through life. And that's how yeah. it felt. It felt like he's just going through life. And I feel like that's why what it had up on Casino. Casino starts at one point and goes from there. This yeah, was like still kind the of whole... rise and fall. But it's just, it, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, I mean the... this is, goes through his whole life is what I feel like. Yeah, Ray Liotta. I mean, I just he's not as, just like I've already said, he's just for me is not as like lovable. I just, I don't have a hard time really getting behind him and rooting for him throughout this yeah. whole movie. And that, that to me, I just feel like Casino does it better. I mean, that's just how I feel. All right. So uh, my number say two one thing about okay. Shutter Island before you say it. So Shutter Island, coming into it, I had no idea what this film was about. Like, I literally, like, nothing. Going off of nothing. So I didn't even know there was a plot twist in this movie. So watching it, as soon as the plot twist happened at the very end, yeah, I was just like, I mean, literally my mind blew out of my skull because, like, <laughs> I did not know it was coming. I just thought this was, like, I was like, oh, this is, like, I was like, this is a pretty good film. I mean, not the greatest film, but this is a good film. But then when that plot twist happened, it was, like, instantly, like, this film is so much better because yeah. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is kind of a weird, I mean, not for me, but I think for most people seeing it this high up on any list is really crazy because I think from a technical standpoint, it's not one of Scorsese's best. I mean, it's not Leo's best performance. Uh, Detective Stalmeyer from Monk is in it. I love Who plays him. a really good part, like a Phenomenal. creepy, creepy dude. Yeah. And I Phenomenal. really like that a lot. But um, this movie for me is just like personally, it holds a special place. Exactly. 
I mean, there's been no. I've never seen a movie blow my mind like Shutter Island. I, that's what I'm trying and, like, to say. And like all these people, all these people that are like, yeah, dude, I saw it coming. I predicted. It. I'm like, I'm like, sure, sure, you predicted it coming. And even I saw it coming somewhat, but you just don't want to buy into it. And I think that's like the big thing good about acting. it. It was yeah, it's good writing, it's good everything. And like I said, it's not his most technically best, but I yet to see a movie that's like blown me away in the way that Shutter Island did. Yeah, so that comes so, in obviously as my number one, and that, that that's really the true reason. Shutter why Island it, comes in number. Wow, I did not see that coming. That, that's the true reason why it comes in at my number one. Yeah, is because like you said. I've never in my life had a movie that's blown me away like Shutter Island. Like I've seen some plot twist movies like The Village, The Visitors. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, just movies like that, and they're yeah. they're good, but they're like, I don't know. It just it didn't blow me away. Like I knew yeah. it was coming. Yeah. Um, for me, my number one is Silence, which I was surprised about. Yeah, I think I, I I think I a lot of people would be surprised, but I think this is. The best-looking Scorsese movie. There's no doubt. I mean, it's filmed in the jungle. And also, for me, I have a big thing. Like, I want I want good Christian movies. I'm so sick and tired of God Not God's Not Dead, number four. But what I'm saying is, I, Silence, Silence to me is a well-put-together Christian movie. It's not over your head. It's not like this preachy Christian movie, either. That's why I like it. Well, that's it's why like it's a good movie. Yeah, it's subtle. It doesn't smack you over the head. And... I might be interpreting the ending wrong, but the way I interpret it, it works out good for me. So, I mean, I could be wrong. But this movie, I feel like it's the best-looking Scorsese, probably his most heartfelt movie. I mean, this movie, on emotional side, it gets to you. And I just, to me, it has a big emotional grip with me. And I think it's, like, from a technical aspect, perfect. I mean, this movie looks so good. Like, yeah. I, I've, why? There's no Scorsese movie that I think looks better yeah. than this. So, so what I'd say is, I agree. The shots are phenomenal. I just the beginning was kind of slow to me. I, I get and it. And it's oh, it's for and with, sure a slow movie. With any three-hour no movie, I just I need good pacing. But I think, in a way, for me, it works because of the slowness. Because what it does is it's like such a kind of a slow burn. Yeah. And it, it, to me, it kind of show it, it puts you in the feet shoes of Andrew Garfield, the main protagonist yeah. in this movie and how like he is not struggling at first. Like he's the one who's strong, who doesn't waver in his faith. Right. But it's a slow slog towards the end. You know? Yeah. So, um, this is what I'd say. On the other aspect of the Christian side of it, I agree with you. I think I think the problem is this right here. I think the problem is all these like so-called Christian directors, they sit here and they they know whatever they're gonna put out is gonna make money. So they're like, I don't need to spend that much time on this or this because I'm just gonna put a hundred percent time on just this simple message right but that's the problem why don't we do both you know why don't we get a good film with this and just because you know i don't know how to put this just because you're a christian doesn't mean you're a good director no i (laughs) think i think the biggest problem with modern day christian movies is this right here is kind of what you hit on is 
their movies are going to make money pretty much no matter what, right? They put out yeah. the thing. My mom will go see it 12 times, right? <laughs> <laughs> she single-handedly gave a million dollars to God's Not Dead, I feel like. But yeah. no. <laughs> well, uh, two. Two. Sales. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I don't necessarily, I think it's, they look at it like this. They're like, okay, we can give this message of Christ and all these things, right? And then look, we get 12 million people to go see this movie. That's crazy, right? But what they don't understand is, Eleven and a half million people are repeat viewers and already staunch exactly. Christians in their beliefs. Exactly. So this movie's not doing anything, right? And then the other point five are movie critics that are not moving the bar. But I think he put forth a movie like Silence, for example, where it's actually he's like, Okay, I'll go put my message in it, right? But I'm not going to hit you over the head, right? This is going to be a hard movie that you're yeah. going to have to deal with by yourself. It's not going to lay out the steps for you. This is a movie that you're going to have to think about and dissect and challenge yourself. Like, yeah, this movie is, is Silence is a very challenging movie, I think, for even from a Christian perspective. And I think you can look at it multiple ways. Well, and, and if I'm not mistaken, it's based on, slightly based on a true story. Yeah. Like all of his other movies. And I think that's what Scorsese does. I mean, moving a little bit off it, that's what Scorsese does well. He takes history yeah and obviously he has to make up a lot of it but the basis is yeah. true yeah and, and then he does that well yeah i i like i said i just i really enjoy silence because i think he went for he's like let's make a good i want my message right but let's make a good movie and i feel like modern day christianity like modern day christian movies just miss that bar like they don't they don't care if this movie is good they care about getting their message out which I can't necessarily blame them, but I can sit there. I think I can rightly criticize. Like, if your movie sucks, your movie sucks. Like, exactly. no matter what the messaging is in it, if it sucks, I'm gonna say it sucks. And yeah. I don't. I don't think. And the thing, like I said, I guarantee you, more people went to go see Silence or have seen Silence, and really thought about Christ versus seeing God's Not Dead Three. Well, no one's gonna go see God's Not Dead Three unless they're a Christian. That's what, that's what I'm saying. But the thing is, you can even point back to the 1950s. You got, you got Ben Hur. Actually, it might be 60. Ben 60. Hur, since but, I thought it was but I know it's, it's like 59. I know it's Ten Commandments. I mean, you got these epic movies that actually Ten Commandments was the most expensive movie, like made at that point, like insanely the budget for it. Well, I mean, it might and then be Ben Hur the was even movie. bigger. But the thing is, is like, you can make a good Christian like that. Ten Commandments is straight from the Bible. Like, yeah. we're not even talking about... But the thing is, the people who made the movie, the people who acted, they gave a crap about making a good movie instead of just pushing out Genesis. Like, yeah. I mean... I, Exodus. I, I agree. Uh, I think another reason is uh, these modern movies are kind of polarizing. Very polarizing. That's what I'm saying. And that goes into the fact of how other people won't watch it, but... They're just, I mean, okay, I, I'd like to go into this when we do our, like, top ten Christian yeah. movies or whatever. Well, I mean, But it, I guess I'll say it right now. It's just, like, unless you're a Christian in the film, you're basically scum of the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's well, it, not true. It's the, same, it's the same thing with, I think, Knives Out for me. I think whenever you start getting really heavy-handed into your messaging, it becomes polarizing and takes people out of the movie. And... Why would you want to pull people away from the thing they're watching? Like, the whole point of the movie is to keep people entranced in what's going on in the plot. So I think any heavy-handedness one way or the other is just bad filmmaking. 
But that's I, I think that's at the heart of it. I think they're not going for that. They're going for the money. And they know by well, doing I don't, this, they'll make the money. I don't even think it's the money. I, I, I'm I putting better motives on them than maybe I should. But I think it's the fact that they look at it, they're like, we reached 12 million people, right? They look how many tickets we sold. Like, that's phenomenal, right? That's what they're looking at. But like I said, those those are just lying statistics. Yeah. So uh, let's not get into this too much yeah. since we'll have a segment Agreed. on that. So let's just very briefly say what we're doing next week. Yeah, next week uh, we'll be uh, doing Waves, which is, uh, it seems pretty interesting to me. It just seems like kind of high school drama, but I guess it gets real crazy. I guess the soundtrack is yep. Beyonce, Chance the Rapper. I mean, it's a great soundtrack. With Shia LaBeouf. No, then we got Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf, That's which is, is basically a biography on Shia LaBeouf and how his dad was kind of abused him and yeah. early filmmaking and stuff. So I'm I, excited. I'm I know for nothing these about movies. these. So. Yeah, I mean, I've heard good things from both but I've heard kind of polarizing things about waves. So yeah. I'm interested to go see them. So uh, so if you have any questions or want to request us to watch something, you know our email. Email it's, will be in the link. Yeah, royalcheese at royalcheese. Uh, podcast at gmail.com. Please, we will answer any of your questions. Yep. It doesn't even have to be about movies. It can be about life, you know? Yep. If you want to donate us money, you can also contact us, and we will give you a way <laughs> to donate us money. Yeah, um, I mean, I appreciate you guys, and uh, thanks for listening. And remember, we took a film class. All right, see you later. Bye.